just what God intended the body to do, just to be able to keep itself healthy and healed to the best of its ability. So I'm Doris Warford with Trinot, where we are helping people get healthy, not high. <laughs> Those plant-based. <laughs> Dave, Dave, would you like to go next? Sure. Uh, Dave Weaver, investment financial advisor, helping people uh, live their dreams uh, for retirement and then have an exit strategy. So I help them find out where they are today and then create a, a dynamic plan that lives life with them and then an exit strategy to retirement, um, finding out their goals and their needs and then uh, how that drawdown and help their money last and leave a legacy for their family. Uh, but I'm concentrating more on the 401k spaces. So looking for business leaders as well as business owners uh, that either has a current 401k or would like to start a 401k for their employees to either attract or retain their current employee, their best employees, um, or to be able to just give some financial education to the employees because they actually become better uh, team members uh, for employment. And then uh, obviously the business owner has some tax advantages and being able to reduce their taxes, but also be able to save for, uh, more for themselves. But ultimately helping uh, business leaders and families uh, worry less about their money and enjoy their life more. Dave Weaver. Very good, Dave. Jeff. Well, good morning guys, I'm Jeff. Uh, I own Tutoring Pros and we train students on the ACT, the SAT, the GRE and the MCAT. We want to help them get into college. We want to help them get into graduate school and we want to help them get into medical school. Uh, Craig, since I've never, since I've never met you before, uh, just a little bit about my background. I was at UTMB for seven years of my life in the department of endocrinology there doing a lot of research on well, RSV and then I taught at U of H for 10 years, teaching cellular biology and teaching a lot of laboratory techniques and genetics, genomic sequencing and things. And my background in public education, I've taught high school and junior high before. And uh, I've taken all of that twisted up knowledge <laughs> and stuck it into these kids' life. And we do a lot of leadership and development with them as well. And it really turns out really nice for them. Very good, Jeff. And Jeff is also our resident COVID-19 expert. Oh, I think yeah. I, I was uh, had the pleasure of sitting in on one of your presentations. Uh, you did? I uh, don't remember. Did you? Uh, well, I mean, it was, uh, I, I came in and uh, you did a discussion about the, the COVID, uh, the whole virus. and uh, In the beginning? In the beginning, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of this is, a lot of it's changing. Yes, a moving target. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's getting to be really about, dangerous. I thought the key to, uh, thought the key was, like, I thought the key to getting into a good, the school of your choice was just have your parents pay for it. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's what it started out to be, isn't it? Man, golly. I mean, that, I mean, that poor, uh, was that movie star? I don't know. They're supposedly, she's going to jail. I mean, she is. To USC. I didn't know USC was a premier school to get into, but I guess. Yeah. You know, your kids' friends are going. That's anyway. Lori Laughlin. Yeah. Yeah, Lori Laughlin. Yeah. It's sad. It's really sad. I get that they want to help their kids, but you know, uh, you're bribing. 
to get yeah, the started. way to help them is to have them come to you and have them prepared and I mean yeah earn their own way gosh I mean yeah. to, to basically take a spot from someone that's actually earned it is not if there's it's not right reasons. yeah yeah well I'm, my name's Craig Slater I have insurance I have a farmer's insurance agency but I also have statewide health insurance we never wanted to have all when we first started out I never wanted to have all my eggs in one basket and uh started doing some health insurance, uh, long story, but uh, Unicare came to farmers and basically wanted to mine business and uh, said, hey, if you'll sell our product, uh, gosh, we'll waive any, basically they allowed us to do it without it. Uh, and all the big boys wanted to have all this experience and a business plan and a goal and an objective and insurance, but the bottom line was they had a program that really acclimated us and trained us how to go website how to how to uh, how to market their products how the insurance plans worked uh, I went to a meeting one time and they had one of their salesmen there I thought I have to confess I thought I was at an Amway meeting he, his last five years of statements and how his in, income was increasing and I was waiting for the there's hope and soap concept man because he was but uh, bottom line was they showed us how to do it and we've been answering questions ever since it uh, there's just so much misinformation. There's a lot of misinformation and incorrect assumptions that have been made. Uh, and I was just going to try to go in today and maybe answer some of the most common questions that we receive. And that is uh, re regarding health insurance and Affordable Care Act. Uh, so if we're ready, I mean, are we ready to just keep talking there, Major? Okay. Yeah, go for it. So first thing is, I mean, they call it the Care Act. You can call it whatever you want to, just because you call it that doesn't mean that it's affordable. It's kind of like military intelligence, one of those oxymorons that, you know, two terms that don't actually come together. <laughs> no offense, Dave. <laughs> All right, service. No. That's funny. Um, so the point is, yeah, people come to me all the time and their comment is, well, I want me to um, uh, They'll call it Obamacare. There's three terms interchangeably it's Obamacare mark uh, on marketplace or on exchange those are three terms that are used interchangeably and you'll hear the term Obamacare referred to often because it was a signature legislation it's not a slam I actually encourage people to use it so that's a term that you'll hear but the technical term is really on marketplace or the legal and I like to highlight this the government is not in the health insurance business the government is going to helping you pay for it business if you qualify based on your income. So think about that. Your coverage is not going to come from, your part is not going to say health insurance exchange or health insurance marketplace. Health insurance is going to, going to be with the carrier that you ultimately select that's participating, providing marketplace plans. It's that simple. The government can help you pay for that plan with Blue Cross, Community Health Choice, and then we've got a couple of others, depending on what county you're in, it could be Molina and better, other choices that are participating in the marketplace. But at day, when somebody comes and tells me, I want some Obamacare, I have to point out to them that your coverage is gonna come from the carrier that you select. The government is only paid for that. And again, it's based on your income. So if you're single and you make less than 51,000, and these are the new numbers going into 2021, if you make less than $51,040, or if you're married, let's say there's a household, you and a wife, if you make more than 68,000, it's $960. Uh, 
If you make more than that, you're not going to qualify for any kind of a premium tax credit. I mean, so there's no reason for you to actually spend all the time and energy going through the healthcare.gov system inputting all your information other than to be declined if you know that your income is going to remain consistent for the next year. Now, that's where I want to kind of jump ahead. And let's just, let's pause and say that the subsidies, and it's called the, the technical term is an advanced premium tax credit. The APC, your advanced premium tax credit. That's a key term. And it's based on your projected income. Think about that. That's a challenge. It's based on your projected income, what you expect to make next year. So there's a couple of nuances there that we like to make sure that you're aware of. And actually, it's critical. And even on the application, you're asked this at least that you have to acknowledge that on your anticipated income. So if your income changes and you make more money, you could conceivably get less money back. Or if you make more money or well, less money, you get more money back or it, and it, you flip it around. If you make, make more or less, depending on, it's going to impact your advanced premium tax credit. Now, I want to go ahead and just kind of give you an example. I'm going to make up some really easy numbers for purposes of this discussion. But let's say that you plug in your information, you and your wife, and you don't make, you make within the income range. Now, here's where it gets confusing because you have to make at least $17,240 or you don't qualify, but less than $68,960. So, where you fall in that gap is going to define how much of a tax credit that you get. That seems strange, but that's the way it works. So let's say you qualify for $500 a month advanced premium tax credit or subsidy. So, and you say that I want to get all of my premium tax credit up front. So each month that you pay your $500, let's say your premium is $1,000 a month because you're older and you and your wife want coverage. So for each month that you pay your $500, the government pays $500 on your behalf. Are you with me so far? So now at the end of the year, when you do your taxes, you're going to get this for, you're going to do your taxes. You're going to say you had health insurance and it's going to come back and it's going to say, wow, you qualify for a $6,000 tax break as a result of having participated and having credible coverage. Unfortunately, you're going to get this 1095B. Before you get too excited and spend that $6,000, you're going to get this 1095B that states in effect that the government has paid $6,000 on your behalf. So in a perfect world, if you make what you anticipated or projected that you were going to make, and you took all your premium tax credit, those when you do your taxes, those should be a wash. I mean, so... You said you made what you were going to make. Now, here's where it gets confusing or gets challenging is let's say you make less money. Well, less money is good because, well, from this perspective, it's not good, but you make right. less money. Well, when you do your taxes, your premium tax credit will actually be higher and you'll get more money back on your taxes. Okay. If you make more money, guess what? Well, you don't qualify as much of a, for as much of a subsidy and you're going to owe more on your taxes. So it's critical that you understand that concept. It's an advanced, it's the craziest credit the government has ever given us because it's an advanced view actually earning it. Get it wow. before you actually earn it. So, and that's where the confusion comes in. And this is where it gets really un unfortunate. Let's say you, well, if you win the lottery, it's not going to be a big deal because you'll have the money. But let's say that you 
your adjusted gross income goes up above a family of two, that's 68,960, you make 70,000 bucks, guess what? You now do not qualify for a premium tax credit and they're gonna want all that money back when you do your taxes. That's what I was wondering. So you, so, so y'all with me so far, you got any, any questions? So go ahead, Jeff. I mean, that's, uh, that's what I was wondering. Cause no, I heard no, something it, like it, that. It's an advanced cause. So there's the key word. It's an advanced premium tax credit. And that's a very common misconception. People say, well, I've already qualified for my premium tax credit. It's an anticipated, it's projected. I mean, you haven't really qualified for it until you do your taxes at the end of next year. And that's where the, that's, so there's two common misconceptions or a couple of common misconceptions I wanted to, 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 to clarify. And again, I'm hoping y'all can help spread the word on how these plans work. One is the government's not in the health insurance business. The coverage just comes from a carrier. So you can see how in my comment that the government's just helping you pay for your insurance if you qualify based on your income. So those are the two things that I really like to try to put to bed and that or kind of clarify for, for the purposes of educating folks on how these, how these plans work. Uh, the more plans, there's some good things associated with the Affordable Care Act. Specifically, we do not do any underwriting. So there's good and there's bad as they call it. You know, the good news is the affordable is not, it's not as affordable. I mean, I could get into the whole concept of pricing. We talked about drugs and how expensive they are in the United States. You know, uh, I always like, everybody blames everybody else. You know, the doctors, the blame the drug companies, the drug companies, blame the attorneys. You know, we've got all these suits going on right now. And there's a whole, you know, there's a circle. I like to say that no raindrop blames themselves for the flood, but they all contributed to it. So at the end of the day, man, everybody's contributing to the problem. You know, you can blame it on who you but we're in this unsustainable cycle. You know, and our hospital administrator will tell you that they charge more to people that can pay to offset the cost to offset the cost of those that don't want or can't pay. I mean, it's a simple they tell you, look, we gotta we gotta cover our costs or we wouldn't be in the business to continue to support you. We bill those that can pay and we have, I mean, millions of dollars of funds that they have to write off every year because of folks that don't want or can't pay or they don't have insurance or they just don't have the wherewithal to do it. So, um, but Jeff, you said you were working for the hospital. I mean, I don't know if you got in that administrative side, but you know, some of the administrators, I'm on the uh, health, the, the chamber of commerce health insurance committee or the health care committee, we should call it. Uh, and that's one of the comments. We've got some administrators there and not that I've called them out, but they've readily admitted that, yeah, we, we do charge more. Um, so I've said a whole lot in a short period of time. I, I told I talked too fast, and but I, I will pause and see if anybody's got any questions. I have one. Uh, that advance, if it has to be paid back, do they do they demand it in full, or do they let people make payments to pay it back? So that's a, it's a great question. I have to confess, I have not had that specific scenario come up where I've where they followed up with me and told me. It's going to be like your tax. It's it's a, it's your taxes. It's your tax bill. So really, it's between at that point, it's between you and the IRS as far as how you're going to satisfy your tax obligations. Um, yeah, best answer. But I know that people can set up payment from previous tax experiences. What I've talked to about clients, you know, they can set up payment plans. I think as long as you're coming back with restitution. Now, here's another key, and that's a good one. That you you uh, 
For you to qualify or continue to qualify for the advanced premium tax credit, you have to fill out your taxes. That's actually on the applications that you agree to reconcile your accounting uh, with the IRS each year. And that's how that all comes about. Um, so I haven't heard specific, I don't, I can't see them demanding it all at one time because there's a reason, although you've made more money. Well, actually it could be worse. Here's a worst case scenario. Let's say that you fall under the threshold, you're a family of two and you fall under the minimum threshold at $17,240. Well, now you don't qualify for any premium tax credit and they tell you you should be on Medicaid, not Medicare, Medicaid, but you qualify for Medicaid based on the government's, uh, it, it's the 2020 federal poverty guidelines is what it is. It's 100%, these numbers are based on 100 to four, to qualify you have to be between 100 and 400% of the poverty level. So where it gets a little confusing and where we're unfortunate in Texas is people talk about Texas did not expand their Medicare eligibility. Have y'all ever heard that and how we're leaving all these people uninsured? Have y'all heard reference to that? So what they're talking about is let's say it's a family of two and that's $17,240. Well, Medicaid doesn't kick in until like 15, you gotta make less than like 15, I'm gonna use easy numbers, like less than $15,000. Well, if you make less than 17, you, you don't qualify for the advanced premium tax credit. So that little gap between 15 and $17,000, you'd say, wow, do people actually fall into that? Yes, we actually had a couple that we were helping through Family Promise uh, and she was right on the number. Um, or, or between that gap. So she didn't qualify, she didn't make it, she made too, she didn't make, she made too much to qualify for Medicaid, but not enough, not enough to qualify for advanced premium tax credit. It's, there's some, just some real unusual scenarios that can develop as a result of this. Uh, fortunately, she took some part-time work, got her income up. I, then I didn't have to put her on my payroll and, although I have to put her on my payroll and give her a paycheck for something. <laughs> Oh, I have other staffs that that may be the case, but anyway, I'm yeah. just God, God bless you. <laughs> uh, that's, you know, that's gotta be a hard position to be in when you, when you have a client that's in that position. You know, and there's some clients that we've had that, um, so, so the uncle Sam wrote the rules and if there's ways that you can maximize the rules to their advantage, I mean, we, we're not opposed to trying to highlight in some of the ways that you could do that. I mean, if you've got a client that's, taking an early retirement uh, due to some health issues, but they, you know, uh, uh, and they've got a uh, IRA or 401k and they're willing to pull money out of that. Uh, they're over 59 and a half. So I, I, this is a real world scenario. I mean, he's over 59 and a half, so you can pull it out without a penalty. We discussed, look, you're going to have to pull out. So you got to pull out at least, let's just make it 15,000 bucks. So you can show that as income because it goes back into your, these numbers are based on your MAGI, your modified adjusted gross income. And if you can pull out just that much, you can qualify for a great plan. Uh, so I got him a pretty good health insurance plan for $23 a month. My God, <laughs> my God, my God. <laughs> I don't my want to God. get into the weeds too much, but so we mentioned that, you know, between that 17,000, I'm just going to round it off to 69,000. Where you are in that scale actually defines how much of a subsidy you get. Government actually came up with one better, and there's some specific numbers. It's if you divided that those gaps into thirds, if you fall in the lower third of that income stream or the 
or the top end, if you're in that bottom, th bottom third, bottom or bottom two thirds, you qualify for what they call additional cost sharing. It's a little bit hard to explain, but they understand that, you know, it's going to be hard for somebody to have a $66,000 deductible. And if, if they're already struggling, so they artificially lower your deductible and they, uh, give you some enhanced benefits as a result. I always use the example, you'll hear the term bronze, silver, gold, and platinum. Uh, they hire a marketing firm, I'm sure, to try to, gosh, make it easier for clients to understand if you've got a gold plan. A bronze plan's basic, silver. You can see they built each other. But the point was, if you get a silver plan, they'll give you the benefits of like a gold plan. And then if you're really on the lower end of the scale, you pay for silver, but you get the benefits of a platinum plan. They're going to lower your deductible, lower your max out of costs. So they enhance the benefits. There's another way that they recognize that there's some challenges there for the low income people. In concept and in theory, it's a great plan. It just has some, some there's some dynamics and some gaps in there. But again, the point being, it's an advanced premium tax credit and it's based in, in the government's helping you. So I mentioned that there's some advantages to the, uh, Affordable Care Act. One of them is your guaranteed issue. People ask me that all the time. You know, well, I don't understand why I can't get it. You sell it. I like to explain it using a car wreck analogy. You understand y'all are in business. You can't have a car wreck and then go get insurance to cover the wreck that you just had. I mean, in what bizarre world would that make sense, right? I mean, gosh, uh, no insurance company would ever be, would be able to sustain themselves. I mean, they call that adverse risk. But with that thought in mind, and with health insurance, uh, it, they use that, we use that analogy. If you can get on during the open enrollment period, but once that window of opportunity has expired, you can't get in during any time during the year because they use that analogy. I mean, why would, you, why would you ever get it until you needed it if that were available, right? Now, we're fixing to go into open enrollment period. It's November the 1st through the December 15th for a January 1st effective date. So anybody can get coverage. You can literally be in the hospital. You could have had that wreck and we can get you covered come January the 1st. That's one of the nice things about the Affordable Care Act. In the old days, we used to have to ask 25 health questions. I mean, it was like signs, symptoms, or treatments, and they asked everything. Now there's only four questions. Who wants coverage? How old you are? The geographic area that you're in? And whether you smoke or not? That's it. And the rates are firm. I mean, it's a take it or leave it rate. Now, I always like to say that anybody that can afford a ticket can get on the boat during the open enrollment period. So there's the key. You got to be able to afford it, whether it's through the advanced premium tax credit or just paying on your own and you can get on the boat. But once that ship, once that ship sails, which is going to be December the 15th, that baby's gone. Well, your next question is that doesn't seem fair. Well, the government's actually come up with a concept that makes it fair. And that is your, you can qualify for, a special enrollment period, an SEP. And that's if you qualify, there's a 60 day window. Cause let's say that like right now, we've got a lot of folks that have lost their jobs uh, or they're looking for opportunities, right? So I've lost my job and Cobra is so expensive. Could I get any help? Well, we have to really look at that cause there's some questions that we ask about if you've already met your deductible and you've got a plan or if you're in the middle of, a, middle of a, any kind of a treatment protocol, it may be advantageous just to pay that COBRA and stay on COBRA uh, for the 18 months. Or if you don't have a COBRA eligible plan, if you're just on a smaller, if you're in a smaller, work for a smaller employer, you can have a state continuation of coverage. The difference is 
the Texas State continuation of coverage is nine months, and COBRA can go up to 18 months. So, but either way, come January the first, or come November 1st through December 15th, you can always sign up for an individual policy, but that's one of the, one of the things that we look at. But back to the SCP, a child that turns 26 and gets kicked off of his parents' plan opens up a 60-day window. Uh, you lose your job and you lose your credible coverage. That opens up a 60-day window. You move into an area where your provider no longer provides services. That's a 60-day that's a window. I had one client that tried to get creative. He was like, well, I moved. I just moved and I want coverage. And I said, well, have you had credible coverage in the last 60 days? Oh, no, it says if I move, I can get coverage. I said, well, it says if you move, but the contention is, is that you had to have had credible coverage. You had to have coverage, and now you're moving. You can't just move and go get coverage. And yeah, he didn't like my answer, but it is the right answer, unfortunately. You know, but uh, um, you can't not have coverage and then try to get onto the exchange. You have to validate that. You can't attest to it and not. Uh, you have to. You have to have supporting documents to come in. So again, I, I know I've covered a lot of ground, uh, everything from the Affordable Care Act, uh, how it actually works and the advanced premium tax credit, the guaranteed issue and the special enrollment periods. The key is, is talk to someone that does health insurance. I mean, at the end of the day, one of the challenges we have is the government made a concerted effort to kick the agents out of the loop and the commissions have gone down so far. I mean, you can't, it's not a sustainable business model right now i mean uh, at the end of the day i mean we people ask how i get paid well they give us you know a, they give us a part of we pay they pay us commission but yeah the old days you used to get 20 percent. i'll tell you the numbers the old days you get 20 percent. that's three percent i mean so that's why agents that do health insurance they're trying to sell ancillary products they'll try to sell dental vision because the commissions on those are way up dental vision uh or life insurance or other ancillary products, but just selling your health insurance, it's hard to find anybody that wants to talk about them. And then you've got a lot of snake oil salesmen out there that are selling these plans that were ACA equivalent or they, just because you call it health insurance, just because you call it health uh, affordable or just because you call it a PPO plan, that doesn't make it so. I mean, I'll just leave yeah. with that. Absolutely. So, we definitely uh, have problems in, in medicine right now. It is a challenge. I think, you know, the good news is we've got some of the best care in the world. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, there's all kinds of statistics. You know, our infant mortality rate is supposedly higher than even in world countries. But, I mean, if you start looking at they oh, there's an old saying about, you know, figures don't lie, but liars can figure. I mean, look at, start diving deeper into the numbers. And in a third world country, these kids would have never made it to, you know, would have passed away before. We have actually the ability to have them birth. And then we're, I'd say we're losing them. But when you start really looking at the dynamics of how they're calculating, I mean, we, we they, they had a chance, whereas in the other countries, they never even had a chance. So Yeah, I got you. I'm a cancer survivor. So health insurance kind of hits home for me. I mean, I'll never. God bless you. I'll never. Uh, Thank you. I will never, uh, I will always be ahead. I mean, I complain about insurance premium, but I, I'm convinced I will always be ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, questions by chance? Yeah, I've got, I've got one. Um, concerning, concerning the price of the, of the, of the different insurances, pre-existing uh, 
problems that you might have there. That is going to cause the, that is going to bring the price up on how much you pay per month. No, no, nope. Four no. questions. Four questions we ask: Who wants coverage? How old you are? The geographic area that you're in, and whether you smoke or not. That's it. The rates are firm. They're unisex rates. We don't even ask if your husband or I mean, male or female. I mean, on the end of the day, um, oh, that oh, was one of the beauties or the advantages of the Affordable Care Act. Anybody oh, oh, you have to go through underwriting. Uh, any any health insurance provider that says, "Well, we're going to apply," and th that's not Affordable Care Act compliant coverage. I use the term ACA, Affordable Care Act compliant. Uh, you know, the, one of the things that stimulated growth. Uh, was that two and a half percent tax penalty? You know, if you didn't have it, hadn't gone away, they're just not enforcing it uh, technically. You'll tell people will tell you it's gone away. Well, it's and there's some nuances there, but bottom line is they're not charging two and a half percent for not having health insurance, uh, which is what was the case in the past. But uh, and people would get it just for that. They're trying to encourage participation. Just think about it if only the sick people get on. It's going to be an unsustainable model, but if everybody got it, insurance is designed for everybody to get in, everybody to pay a little bit, and for those that do incur the, ex the higher or the, the expenses, there's enough water in the well to put those fires out. But unfortunately, the sick people, we're on, when I say we're on an unsustainable trajectory, the folks that are healthy don't see the value in it. I don't need it. I mean, I, I tease. We're all guys here now. Uh, I always tease. I mean, there's only two reasons guys go to the doctor, right? I mean, we're bleeding so bad we can't stop it ourselves and we pass out for some non-alcohol-related reason and our wife drags us off to the hospital, right? I mean, that's a fact. So guys are, tend to be bulletproof, so they don't see value. But they, don't, they don't, I mean, I'm, I'm young and why do I want to spend 300 bucks a month for something that eh, I'm probably never going to use? I mean, if I do, well, I'll worry about it then. I mean, that's a live in the, live in the now mentality that seems to be prevalent, but. Um, it is a challenge. I mean, there's a. It's going to be interesting to see. I'm not I mean, mentioning politics, but it is a topic of discussion with a lot of our carriers about what we can expect. Uh, you know, their concern is. You know, they're I, the Medicare for all type of a plan. Uh, I I do believe we are our brother's keeper. I do like the idea that we could provide a veil of protection for everyone but at the end of the day the medicare for all model is not a sustainable model you'll see there's an ad last night 30 rural hospitals will cancel well what they're really saying is if you started using medicare 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 hospitals will admit that the medicare rate is not a sustainable rate they're playing 60 percent of the cost so they have to charge more to your insurance carriers again it's that same concept so Hospitals run on an 8% margin. So if you feel, if you figure that, you know, you're, you're, if everybody was paying a Medicare negotiated rate, it would have, the model is the right, is, it would have to be some changes. But just to just say this, you know, the Medicare rates are such that uh, the doctors aren't covering their costs. So if everybody paid a rate that's not covering their costs, they wouldn't be able to stay in business. I mean, that's just a simple business fact. I mean, you can't provide a high quality product or service at a lower quality price and it takes you to, deliver on that product or service. So uh, without some changes, it would be tough. I think drug costs are out of hand. I think there's some challenge there. But then there's people that, well, I don't, I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> <laughs> Better stop there. <laughs> I know, I know last June, I actually uh, went on, uh, I turned 65. So automatically I was getting charged at whatever it is per month 
there for the Medicare. And the other so, day, well, with Medicare, when you it's like winning the lottery. I mean, rates are age based. Now you'll hear there's a term, there's a concept going around right now about three to one. You can't charge more right now. It's five to one. Blah blah blah. They can't. The carriers cannot charge more than five times the the lowest rate and the highest rate. There cannot be a five times differential. So if you're charging three hundred dollars for a kid, somebody that's sixty four is going to be at can't go more than fifteen hundred dollars. There's a five times rate matrix in there but we do know that the uh, their age-based rates every year rates going to go up because you're getting older uh they've determined that the more birthdays you have the longer you live and as a result I'm just <laughs> <laughs> but, but, the, but the point is is that uh what the the rates are are, are based based on your age so um the older you get, the, the higher the rate's going to be, and it and it does does get does get higher as you go. But my point was, once you hit sixty five, I mean, you got to pay your one hundred four dollars and sixty cents for your Medicare Part B. Part A is free. Part, part B, you got to pay for. Problem: you got majors, you don't have drugs with, with, with standard Medicare. You got to figure out what you want to do about your drugs. You need to get the drug part B drug plan, or you go to a Medicare Advantage plan. Uh, there's two different avenues there. It's a whole different discussion, but I was just going to lights real quick. I've got a great great piece from Blue Cross that I used to describe original Medicare and then you can go the Advantage route or you go and add drugs in a supplement plan. There's two very distinct routes that you go with uh, when you when you do that. Uh, the best way that you can use to summarize the two options is with an Advantage plan you save money now and you pay later if you have health issues. Uh, with a supplement plan plan you pay now but you save later everything is pretty much taken care of but it's more expensive so pay now save later or save now pay later the other thing with an advantage plan is it's critical that you make sure that you you're stuck with the network if you got a humana plan or a texan plus plan you have to see doctors that are within your network or your texan plus i will say this is kind of off the subject, but if you want me to answer that, I mean, uh, Major Dave, you're young enough, you don't have to worry about it yet. Uh, but I will say that with the medic, once you get on Medicare, uh, whether you go the Advantage or the supplement plan, uh, if you're going to travel, if you're going to be out of network, uh, the, the, the Advantage plans can can have create some challenges there. But the supplement plan, uh, again, uh, pretty much everything oh. is. As long as you see a Medicare participating provider, everything is taken care of because they're just filling in the filling in the blanks. The biggest concept on the Advantage plan that people aren't aware of, and you're about to start seeing it, major, you're getting going to get inundated inundated with all the solicitations and all of the brochures wanting you to sign up for their Advantage plan. Whether it's a Humana, Texan Plus, or else is wanting to play in this market, uh, you're locked into that plan for the full year. And what you got on the biggest key to that is, is you have to understand that when you transition from medic, when, when you have a Medicare plan, if you're on reg, Medicare Part A and B, and if you sign up for an Advantage plan, Medicare is totally out of the picture. If you call Medicare, they they ain't talking to you. They're going to tell you to call your Advantage, advantage provider. They're totally out of the loop. Are you so? That's important to understand because they have no more skin in the game. So I always thought that. Your your part your standard rate for Part B is if you made less than two hundred thirty five. Standard rate's one hundred four dollars and sixty cents. It can come out of your Social Security or 
I'd have to check those numbers for, for this year, but uh, you got to pay that part no. B. Part A is free, part B pay for it. Again, there's a standard rate, but if you make higher income two years ago, it could be more, but you're paying that. So I always thought, man, these guys are spending a lot of money competing for these Medicare patients for only $104 or, you know, less than a hundred bucks a month. Well, what they've done, like in Harris County, they know what the reimbursement rate, they know for someone over 65 that participates in Medicare Part A and B, it's like $890 a month. Now, don't quote me on these numbers. This, these are older numbers. But it was like 890 bucks a month for them to provide services for someone that's over 65, right? So when you sign up for an Advantage plan, Medicare no longer has any skin in the game. Guess what? They give that, that carrier that $890 a month that they would have made or could conceivably have been on the hook for to provide the products and services that they've agreed to under the Medicare Part A and B. They give you that 800 bucks a month and they're done. They wash their hands out from you and they're, they're, so my only point is, and I think it's important to understand that when you have a Medicare Advantage plan, boom, you're stuck with Humana, you're stuck with Aetna, you're stuck with Mutual of Omaha, whoever it is, you want to make sure that it's a good carrier and that's a provide the products and services that you need. All right, very good. Do we have any more questions? So I, I'm Sorry, just- Sorry, I got way off the subject there when we talked about Medicare, when we got into Medicare, but I think it's important to, again, as part of the educational process, if you're not aware of how that, I don't know, Jeff, if you're approaching, you don't seem to be six, close to 65. I'm getting close, <laughs> man. I'm getting close, man. I'm, I'm, it'll be like winning the lottery. If I could figure out how to pay for health insurance, I'd retire, I think. So, well, I, I try to help my client, uh, clients and uh, ahead of time because information to know, so that way at least I have an understanding of it. Um, obviously, I'm not the guru of it, but certainly at least being able to say, okay, you need to get with somebody that actually does the Medicare, Medicaid, and really understand it before you know, and start planning on it now. So you can have the five P's. Well, see the day, the, the, really the key is, is that between, see, as you're aware, and I mean, as you've said, you know, retirement is not a matter of age. Retirement is having the money to do what you want to do when you want to do it. So having that money, part of that, it would be managing your health insurance risks and may, whether you do that is with health insurance. So the real problem we have is between that 60 and 65, how do you yep. that gap? You've got age-based rates. I mean, and you start going in there and you're having to pay $1,200 a month for you and your wife for a plan. I mean, that's $2,400. You're paying, clients are paying over $2,000 a month. I got one right now. She's still at 65. Uh, December the 1st, well, she gets eligible for her um, Medicare uh, on uh, December the 1st. And she's paying $2,200 a month just for her for, uh, for a plan. But she's a oh cancer survivor, and it's a it, it's 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 she gladly does it. But she's like, man, it's going to be like winning the lottery, you know. Yeah. And, you know, her her costs are going to go down. You know, she'll pay hundred basically hundred four dollars. She'll get a plan for about thirty bucks, and for one hundred sixty five dollars, she gets a supplement plan. And guess what, man? She doesn't have any more expenses, man. Right? Like wow. Jeez. Uh, Talk wow. about gonna, like have a lot of lot more disposable income after that. Yeah, this this whole thing is this whole thing is very sad. It is a challenge. Uh, 
again, it's a matter of, and one of the things, one of the, there's another challenge. I don't mean it's called a snake oil salesman. There are some plans that can help, but there's some plans out there that people overhype. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, there's, they're, they're overhyped. If they go through, if you have to go through underwriting, it's not an Affordable Care Act compliant plan. Uh, one of the other things about if, one of the things that raises the cost of the plans is they have to have what we call 10 essential health benefits, which most of the plans had incurred all along. Now for individual policy, maternity has to be included. Talk to grandma who's 60 years old and you tell her, well, you can get maternity coverage and you know they'll usually tell you that's defined in her future. My name's not Ruth, but uh, anyway, it's just, that's interesting. And mental health benefits are now included as part of the plans, no matter huh. what. So, so, which I think we're all going to be nuts before this is all over with, the way things are going. <laughs> I definitely know my brother could use the mental health plan. But, uh, <laughs> I remember about three, three, four years ago, going to the doctor. Uh, and, uh, Back then I had uh, some heart issues and I was a uh, diabetic and which by the way, it all went away after I lost a bunch of weight there. Uh, sure. but, but I remember going there and I looked at, uh, you know, I looked at, at the doctor. I said, doctor, this is so expensive. You know, uh, I said the Obamacare, uh, when it first came out there, they wanted me to pay because of pre-existing, I have a bad knee also, but because of pre-existing condition, they wanted me to pay like $600 a month for the Obamacare, which was ridiculous. And so I told the doctor that, I said, doctor, you know, I can't really afford to, uh, I mean, your prices are extremely high. This blood test is, is like $180. I said, I said, this is ridiculous. He looked at me and said, he, I said, I said, I can't really afford this until I turn 65. He looked at me and said, well, don't get sick till you turn 65. <laughs> so. I mean, that's, we've had clients do just that. Or we had one last year that, um, he needed, uh, he thought he needed two knees. He was, had been a tennis player and he needed knees. So at the end of the November, we signed him. I mean, he was there. He wanted to sign up November the 1st. I had to put him off till November the 15th. I said, look, I'm back on the 15th. I said, give him two weeks to get the mess. I mean, they, they, you got to understand that government website designed by the lowest bidder. And it's trying to play with, you know, three other websites that like, because it, it, it interfaces with the INS and the IRS and, uh, I mean, it, it, it reaches out to three other websites that were also designed lowest bidders. And I said, there's just some challenges there when we open up that they need to work out. So come 50, he signed up. The point was he signed up on the 15th and come decent. I mean, he already had his uh, procedure scheduled for January, uh, January the 1st and went in, got all his tests done. And, uh, his knees were fine. He ended up with two new hips instead. So, but at the end of the day, he had pre-existing conditions, had been diagnosed, but January the 1st, you can get coverage if you can afford it. You can afford that tip ticket to admission. Cool. Yep. But yeah, it's good questions. Uh, they're great questions. Uh, I know, uh, like in this case, I mean, I, I, have a, I have a couple of advisors that use my website just, just strictly for the purposes of uh, showing their clients what the cost would be if they're 62, 3, 4. And they want a, uh, a rough idea on what, the, what their premium may be. If they go to statewidehealthinsurance.com, just plug your names in there and it'll generate immediate online quotes from Blue Cross and Community Health Choice. Those are the two I've narrowed it down to. There's a couple of others that you could access, Better, Molina, Oscar, there's, there's coming to the market. But I stick to, you know, if you, 
I stick to the ones that have the de a decent network that I would use. Uh, Community Health Choice has been very good, and Blue Cross is just that, it's Blue Cross. Unfortunately, the plans are all HMO plans. Uh, you're not getting into MD Anderson, but you can sure get into the West Side Cancer Center. You've got to, I'll leave with this. This is because I think it's important. Dave will tell you, Dave will tell you, um, you know, when if you're talking to financial advisors, talk to several because, you know, you talk to five, you're probably going to get five different opinions. But I think it's important to understand my rationale or my, my thought process. I'm not opposed to the high deductible health plans. I ask my clients all the time, what do you want your health insurance to do? You know, that's a pretty important question to me. What do you want it to do? Preconditions, what? You know, they want it to take care of everything. You know, I want, I got a problem. I said, well, look, that's unrealistic. It's not affordable. And so why don't we get realistic? And why don't we say this? I want stuff that's going to ruin. I want you, I want to provide you with a veil of protection, provide you with coverage for things that are going to ruin your life, not ruin your day. Right. It gets their attention. I'm like, well, what do you mean? I said, look, ruin my day. I got a call for a cold. I'm going to go to the doctor. I'm going to spend a hundred bucks. It's going to feel bad for a couple of days, but I'm over it. It's going to ruin my day. It's actually going to ruin my week because it's probably going to throw my whole schedule off. Ruin my life is if I can't get back into MD Anderson or a comparable cancer treatment center or program, I could ruin my life. Okay. Or, yeah. you, know, you know, I think over 50% of personal bankruptcies are due to excess health coverage costs. I mean, you're going to do whatever you can to try to provide you or your loved ones with the quality of care that you want. So with that thought in mind, let's get you a high deductible health plan. Hey, we can have a barbecue for you if all else fails, you know. You know, I think there's people that like you. I'll tease them. I think there's people that like you and they can buy some barbecue. But the point is, a high deductible health plan, and it got it has that veil of protection. And, you know, worst case scenario, you, you can still, you can get in the front door of a facility. So anyway, I'll stop. You're not left out in the, you're not left out in the dark. Exactly. Uh, one other, one last question for you then. Uh, what do you do with the, um, what do you do with HSA plans or do you set up HSAs? So, uh, and I, well, actually that was the, that was the, the segue into things that are going to ruin your, I like those high deductible health plans that allow you to set up a health savings account. No, that's a great segue. And I appreciate, I have one, I believe in those. I think that when you start looking at numbers and most people spend less than $1,200 a year on their health coverage costs, that high deductible health plans make sense. But more importantly, you can use that money for prescription drugs. You can't use over the counter. They, they nix that when your vitamins and stuff you got to pay for, but drugs, dental, and vision. Cause that's the next question that comes up. Does it include dental? Does it include vision? No. And you know, I hadn't found a good dental plan. I'll be candid. I'll tell people that all the time, you know, Hey, there ain't one. I mean, they, they, you're better off negotiating a rate with your dentist, paying money. And if you got money into a health savings account, Hey, that's as good as cash. I mean, you flip them that card and they debit your account. I mean, it's cash money. They get paid right away. And well, the nice thing is that you're not paying any taxes on that money that goes in there from your paycheck. Exactly. It's actually better than an IRA. Have you ever thought about that? Yes, I have. What's the problem well, with well, an IRA? As long as you have the better investments inside of it. So most of your HSA bank now will allow you to start investing some of that. There's so much money. You got to remember when this first started, you history, there was things called MSAs. And then that morphed into the health savings account when individuals and other people would start using them. And it's a great tool. HSAs, there, initially it was hard to find banks or banks that wanted to participate because it was like, eh, it wasn't, you know, a couple thousand worth of energy and effort, but there's so much money now 
that's being amassed in these health savings accounts, like HSA Bank, they will allow you if you have over $2,500 in your account, set some of it aside and start doing investments. So that, that's a good call. I, do, we don't, that, you, you're not gonna find a carrier and a bank, or a carrier, carriers wanna do the health insurance, they don't wanna do the financial side. Correct. Don't wanna do the health insurance, so they'll typically send you, send you to like HSA Bank, that's what I use. In your normal, if you're walking off the street, they're gonna not, they, your online portals are going to be your best resource for an HSA account. Well, yeah, but you have to have a plan. You have to have a plan in place. You have to have a qualified how to do Yeah, that's what I meant. Qualified plan in place to be able to do the HSA stuff. So what is a qualified? I'll, I mean, I'm going to keep talking as long as y'all are listening. What's a qualified plan? What's the problem you have with a qualified plan? Qualified to be a qualified defined as a qualified health plan. There's actually some, deductible limits then you know it's like 1750 per person and it's it's not that high actually um, but the problem the biggest challenge that we have is that it can include prescription drug benefits and it doesn't include office visits at a copay amount copay office visits is not a big deal the drugs is a huge deal to me being on the healthcare committee i will say this being on the health committee i asked for permission i said look we do a lot of talking and not a lot of action here. I said, I want to, I would like to think of one small thing we could do to try to be the agents of change. And I got permission and then the backing of our healthcare committee through the Paraland Chamber of Commerce to go talk to Pete Olson about, I wanted to try to change the definition of a high deductible health plan so that you could include prescription drugs. Office visits at a copay amount, gosh, you're paying negotiated rates with tax advantage money. That's not a big deal. As long as you understand it, prescription drugs is a big deal. Uh, and having money, have, allowing parents to set aside money to be able to pay for kids, that, that, that the ones that want to pay for, for their dental and their vision and have other expenses. I really wanted to try to, uh, we had a meeting uh, with Pete Olson. We pre pled our case and uh, I'll just leave it at that. Pete was a nice guy. Mr. Olson was a very nice guy, but when they announced that, when it was competitors announced that he only sponsored like two pieces of legislation in all of his tenure, that was about three more than I would have given him credit for. Cause I mean, it was like talking to the wall. I mean, he just wasn't there. I mean, his staff understood, but we just didn't get any traction, uh, which I thought it could have been, we could have been a real agent of change and tried to be a, uh, tried to make some things happen. But so you'll hear me preach that. Uh, I'm, I'm enlisting y'all to help too. If you talk, to, you know, look, we would like to change the definition of a health plan so that it can encompass prescription drug benefits. I mean, that to me would be a significant uh, um, achievement uh, for those that can and want to pay and need some help and just at least the tax benefit associated with doing that. But anyway. That's awesome. That's great, Craig. I wonder if, I wonder if he would have listened if you would have dragged drug him out behind the barn. Well, I mean, you know, he had his staff, he had a couple of very good staffers um, that uh, they were taking notes. Um, but I mean, he's got to be behind it. Every time I pause and look at him, to, uh, we had a whole presentation the way we explained it, you know, how we got here. And uh, every time I would stop and look at him for a response, and the response, he went into the same, it was almost like a canned speech. 
I'm not, I'm, it was a canned speech on, I have supported the president and his attempts to repeal the Affordable Care. I'm like, look, man, I finally, I mean, I didn't mean to be disrespectful, but I finally said, look, we're way past that, okay? We're playing the cards we're dealt because we have to, because we live in the real world. You know, you've got a feathered nest over here with your benefits package that you're on. I said, but us working people need a little bit of help. And I'm asking for one way to try to be the agent of change. And that was the term I used, but his staff, they were all over it, but he never really gained any traction. So, well, he, yeah, he has nothing to gain by it. Yeah. Yeah. Too many stunts are happening lately and uh, they need to be dealt with. Oh, I think, I think definitely the senators and the, all the Congress and they all need to come down to and be able to have to use our plan. If they're going to put that plan into law, they need to be able to say, okay, that's the plan that we have to use. Hey, hey, Dave, I have a question for you. Uh, Trump went into the military hospital, right, here this past week. And if Trump goes into a military hospital, he's the commander-in-chief, right? Yes. Do they have to follow anything he tells them to do? Um, in what sense? Well, if he says, look, this is what I want you to say, and you're going to say this, uh, and if you don't, then can they court-martial him for not following an order? Well, uh, no, it's not, but it has to be reasonable. It has to be a reasonable order. You can disobey an order as long as it, if it's non-reasonable, if it's life-threatening, if it's you know not within the directives and policies of the DOD, then no, they don't have to follow it. So going out in the truck. It has to be a lawful law or a lawful order. So going out in the truck with the uh, Secret Service, he's putting their life at risk by, expo by exposing them to COVID. So uh, he's giving them an order to drive them around, right? Sure. Yeah. Or we, got a problem. we got a big, we got a big, we got a big problem. Well, that, you know, that there's a, Hey, I gotta, I gotta go gentlemen, but uh, yeah, that's a, that's another conversation there. <laughs> well, I think, you know, he is the commander in chief, but there are, the doctors are bound by HIPAA laws. They can't disclose any private information associated unless he authorizes them to do so. You yeah. know, somebody talk about, you know, Hey, he got this great quality of care. Well, that's the same care that any medic, that any, any military representative would get that's using TRICARE supposedly. Now, I do know, like with our local VA hospital, something that uh, Dave, you might can confirm. Well, I don't know that it's in written laws, but written in the rules. But uh, we have a good friend. He's a colonel. He said he's never waited when he goes to the Houston VA. He loves it up here. And I asked him, I said, well, you're retired military. I said, look, do they have a hierarchy as far as how they see their patients? Or is it first come, first serve? And he looked at me and he says, no, it's like in the military. You have a hierarchy. He said, your purple heart, you know, your your." Your boot wounded yeah. veterans will take priority. And then, you know, your rank has its privileges, as the old saying goes, your rank has its privileges. So as a colonel, I say, yeah, hell, you're a colonel, man. You never had to wait in line, you know, but one of us, you know, schmucks, enlisted uh, guys, man, I mean, we're, we're, we're waiting all day. And he goes, well, you're in the service, so you're used to it. But my point there was there is a hierarchy. He's at the top of that food chain, so you would expect him to be able to move to the top of that and to get some good quality of care, just like you would with one of our wounded veterans, hopefully. But, you know, the, yeah. about the Secret Service, 
you know, that's their detail. I don't know if he asked for volunteers or, but that's something that you, you're talking about guys that have agreed to take a bullet for the guy. So taking a COVID test. Yeah, or, that's a different, that's a different, uh, the yeah. Secret Service aren't, aren't uh, members of the armed forces. Right. But, but the example that he shows, uh, you go into a hospital with COVID, you don't come out until you're over it. See you guys. See you later, Dave. Hey, Dave. Okay, Craig, that was wonderful. That was a wonderful discussion there. I've never thought I would enjoy hearing about insurance, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> You're no, too I kind, it, Major. You no, are thought, too kind, man. I thought it was good, too. I really did. Uh, I thought it was really good, too, Craig. Uh, uh, tomorrow. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. We have, a, we have a medical clinic. My sweetheart is an immunologist allergist here in Leeds City, and she was the director of allergy at UTMB for many years. Uh, so I get where you're coming from, and I and I and I understand what's happening, and a lot of this this crap's got to stop. Yeah. It, it's got to stop. Um, tomorrow is going to be the Paraland Networking Group. Uh, we have yeah. a high we have a hybrid meeting, Jeff, which means yes. that which means that you can come on there with the uh, the breakfast group if you would like to join us there online. Uh, we, we do it at 7:30 in Paraland, and I think I think you got a. I think I yeah I did send out you uh, did. this morning about the breakfast. You sent group. it to me. Uh -huh. And uh, another thing that we're doing is going to be having a a live meeting on November 5th. We're going to be hosting a, a trade show slash membership drive at the at the Busy awesome. Bee Cafe. So. I have been announcing that to different networking groups. I'll announce it this afternoon when I go into the uh, the lunch group down there near Santa Fe for the New Horizon lunch bunch. And so, so if you if you can make it tomorrow, Jeff, that would be great. Uh, I mean, I mean, I know you don't want to come come live, but uh, but you're welcome to come on uh, online there through Zoom. Most definitely. I just uh, you know, Major, I'm up real late with my students. Mm -hmm. uh, so that that's what makes it really hard about the mornings for me because sometimes I'm not going to bed until 3 a.m. 4 a.m. because I yeah, look look Craig oh I, yeah I pour my life into these kids oh yeah and, and, I mean, they stay up late they've been out they sleep late and then they want to yeah and they're bio they're what is it Canadian rhythms or such that they pumped up at night yeah that's get them yeah. up there I'm really I'm really changing their intellect so that they can go and really function on their own. I'm doing what the fucking school district doesn't do. Period. Yeah, sorry, for right. the, sorry for sorry yeah. for the for the words, but I'm really passionate about it. Um, so I'm up really late a lot of the times working on data to support these young young adults. So yeah. that's that's what makes it tough for me. Uh, just just know I'm not I'm not ignoring you guys over there because I do want to come to it. But man, when I hit the pillow at three a.m. four, I'm out. <laughs> you know. You know, Jeff, you were a speaker of, uh, at uh, the Wednesday group uh, a few months back there, and you were talking about COVID. But we didn't really go into any of your of your actual job type stuff. Would you like to speak about the tutoring services one time? Uh, well, yeah, sure. Um, what I, what I do with these young adults is I retrain their thoughts, how they critically reason with um, 
analyzing paragraphs and writing. And instead of, you know, a lot of kids, when they write, they, they go by ear. They'll, they'll, they'll write a sentence and then they'll read it and say it out loud and say, oh, it sounds right. Yeah, but, you know, uh, why is the colon really in the sentence? So mm -hmm. you, have to you have to analytically analyze essays, and you have to analytically understand why to use a colon, a semicolon, a comma, and so on and so forth. You have to know how sentence order goes together, right? Right. Mathematically, young adults do not get conceptual aspects of mathematics because they are too focused in the school districts on mechanics. So they teach them how to solve for X, but the kids don't know why. That's yeah. just the mechanic part of it. Where's the application based of it, right? So they don't, they don't have the conceptual awareness of how to break problems down and then, then take the algebra and support those ideas. Scientifically. Scientifically, scientifically, they have never been taught how to look at data and then project what, a, what an experiment is about. And so these, these, the ACT and the SAT, they take journal published papers and they take the data out of the paper and put into the test. And then they give them a table of data, a graph of data, and then they ask them questions about it that helps project their understanding of the experiment. So they don't have the analytical reasoning process for that. And then reading, oh my God, reading uh, our, our, our students uh, in the United States is probably on a junior high reading uh, scale when they graduate from high school. Yeah. Well, guys, I'm going to end it here, and I uh, appreciate it so much, Craig. That was yeah, great. I got to get to the office. Yeah, Greg, have a good day. You too, Jeff. Man, I'll uh, ACT and SAT. That's a uh, gosh. That that's good to know, man. I appreciate yeah. it. I Absolutely. Presentation. All right. Yeah, you, okay, everybody, you, have a good day. See you tomorrow, Bye, Major. Yes, See you later.